0: If you have your Bibles, turn on over to John chapter 21. John chapter 21 is where we're going to be. There is an outline in the bulletin, and as you can already see, it is a lot shorter than Donnie's usually are. But no worries, we're going to be here about the same amount of time. Okay, um, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just different. Mine are shorter than Donnie's. I, I do that for you all's mental benefit for this week. Y'all get a week's rest from his, his awesome outlines that he does. I give him a hard time about those all the time. Um, and I'm gonna tell y'all, like I tell my students, if y'all cooperate with me today and y'all don't interrupt me or distract me, I'll get you out of here at a decent time, okay? You know, like 20 minutes, all right? But that means y'all can't be moving around and wrestling around and talking to your neighbor, all right? So, let's dive in this morning. So, this morning, John chapter 21, we're gonna be talking. Some background here. So this is after the resurrection. We talked about that last week. Praise the Lord, the tomb is empty. Um, and so Jesus has come back. And so um, Peter and some of the other disciples had, had decided to go fishing in the Sea of Galilee. Um, it was a frustrating trip because they worked all night and they hadn't caught a single fish. This is all in John chapter 21 leading up to verse 15. Um, but, but we know that Jesus appears next morning, and that changed everything. And at first they didn't recognize Jesus, obviously, um, but when the Lord gave them a miraculous catch, John recognized that it was Jesus. And of course they all rushed to the shore saying, Jesus, there you are. And then the Lord had already fixed breakfast for him, and the Lord had fixed a, a a fish breakfast of all things. I don't know about you all, but I don't eat fish for breakfast. I think it's a little nasty, but That's what they did. So having breakfast with Jesus, and uh, you know, I I think that's awesome. It shows Jesus' servant heart there. Um, But once breakfast was over, Peter and Jesus go walking along the shore uh, together, and the Lord began to ask Peter the most important question in his life. Let's read John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19 real quick. If you have your Bibles, flip on over there. It says this, it says, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you and feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Let's pray this morning. Father, thank you so much uh, for this time of fellowship and worship, God. I pray as we dive into your word, God, you would reveal something new to us today, God. Lord, help your presence be known and felt today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So the simple question that, that, that Jesus asked Peter three times, it says, do you love me And that's the title of the message this morning, a simple question, but yet profound question. You know, I'm suppose we've all asked this question, or at least thought about that question at times, and in this morning's scripture, we know that Jesus asked Peter, and the Lord is asking us today, "Do you love me?" Of course, we have every reason to love Jesus. First John 4:19 tells Christians that we love Him because He first loved us. That's a simple verse. We know that verse. And looking back over our lives, We can see all the good that God has done for us and to us. We can see it, God working in our lives. He's blessed us in countless ways. And anybody who has been a Christian for any length of time can stand up and say the same thing. But even if none of those things had happened or will happen in your life, we would still have the greatest blessing of all. We would still have Jesus. At the very least, God has given us Jesus He died on the cross for our sins. We should love the Lord most of all because he died for our sins and Jesus died to save our souls and to set us free. So if all else, God has given you that. You know, many of us claim to love Jesus, but does your life represent that you love Jesus? Do other people know that you are a Christian? Do we show that love Many of us say we come to church and we love Jesus and we say, yes, I love you, Lord. We'll, we'll worship, we'll sing the songs, we'll read our scripture, we'll tell people, oh, yeah, I go to Cecilia Baptist Church. That's where I, I attend. But that doesn't mean anything. Do you love Jesus? Jesus is asking us this morning, do you love me? And so as we dive into to this text this morning, I hope that you will, will profess your love for Jesus. There shouldn't be a drop of doubt that Jesus loves us and we should love him because he first loved us. But you may ask, well, I I don't know how to even show that. How do I show that? Well, Scripture gives us three ways we're going to look at this morning. The first point is, if if we truly love Jesus, we should confess our love for him. Mr. Howie, could I get the uh, slide? Thank you, sir. That's what Jesus led Peter uh, to do in verses 15 through 17. We, looking back real quick, it says, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. And then a second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. And shepherd my sheep. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved. That he asked the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Why did the Lord ask Peter those questions? One reason is because Jesus wanted to help Peter. You know, Peter was probably feeling terribly guilty during this time. I mean, think about what Peter had just done. He, He had miserably failed the Lord. Even though the Lord told him he was going to do that, he told the Lord, he said, I'll never deny you, Lord. He said, I'll never give that up. But yet he went on to deny the Lord three times, and there was no getting around it. Everybody knew that. All the disciples knew that. All the townspeople knew that, that he had denied Jesus. And you know, sometimes we're like that. Sometimes we would like to get around things. We'd like to be able to pass the blame over to others because we don't want to take that blame. I'm sure Peter would have done everything he could have to pass the blame off to someone else. Well, well, if this would have happened, I I wouldn't have denied you, Lord. Or if this wouldn't have happened, I, I wouldn't have denied you. How many times in our lives do we like to push the blame off to others, saying, Well, I'd go to church more often if that preacher didn't preach so long? Amen. Um, I'm just <laughs> or I'd go to church if, if, you, if you know, Brother Billy sang some, sang some songs that I actually enjoyed, you know. Or, or I'd go to church if, if Austin didn't talk so loud or so long either when he was up there. Well, church, stop passing the blame off to other people. It's your own fault you don't want to come to church. It's your own fault that you don't tell people that you love Jesus. It's no fault of anybody else. I hear the excuse so many times that people don't want to come to church. Well, because that church is just full of hypocrites. Okay, then, then they're full of hypocrites. But what is, what's that keeping you from going to church? It's your own fault. You can't pass the blame, just as in Peter couldn't pass the blame for this either. He had to own up to this. And so, you know, it, feel, it might feel nice to blame someone else, but we can forget that when it's just us and Jesus. Because Jesus knew what happened. Jesus knew exactly what happened. And notice how the Lord dealt with Peter's guilt. He didn't rail at Peter. He didn't rub it in. He didn't, you know, give him a hard time. He didn't even try to embarrass Peter or try to put him to shame. Instead, Jesus asked Peter those three very simple questions. They were the simple questions, but most profound. Do you love me? That question is hard to answer when we have let the Lord down sometimes. You know, when when Peter was probably feeling guilty and he knew that he had let the Lord down. And it's hard for us to answer, but here the Lord was giving Peter three more chances to confirm his love for Jesus. And I don't know whether you know the original Greek language or not, um, but the word for love, one word of the use of love is agape. Agape, love, you've probably heard that. And that's the highest love, the unconditional love that God has for us. When God refers to his love for his people, he uses the, the agape word in the Greek language. And you know, Peter... If you read in the original Greek text, he didn't feel comfortable going that far. So in these instances of using the word love, he did affirm that he had a, a different kind of love for the Lord, and, and it's a word called phileo. Phileo is the Greek word, and that what that means is just the, a brotherly love, a friendly love. That's where we, for fun fact for you, that's where Philadelphia got its name, is the city of brotherly love, throwing that out there. You can answer that on Trivia or Jeopardy next time. Um, So here's a good paraphrase of what's going on in verses 15 through 17. If we had to paraphrase it, it says, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me unconditionally more than you love these men? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a friend and a brother. Jesus asked him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me with my kind of unconditional love? Yes, Lord, you know I love you like a friend and a brother. So Jesus results to the third time asking him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me like a friend and a brother and he said to him the third time lord you know all things you know that i love you like a friend and a brother you know peter gave good answers and we should have that same answer you know i love you lord jesus was trying to help peter get over his guilty conscience as as many of us would have had as well and the lord wants to help us too maybe you have a guilty conscience of whatever it might be this morning jesus wants to help you through that all of us struggle with a guilty conscience at times. You know, Peter was tormented and being beat up by his conscience. I know I've been tormented by mine. I'm sure you have too. Past regrets, past mistakes, past decisions that I've made that I know did not glorify the Lord, that I know did not glorify my family or anybody else. We have to live with those, just as you live with your own as well. You know, here the Lord deals with Peter's troubled conscience and its amazing sting, and here the great physician shows us how he can help our troubled consciences if we just lay down those thoughts and put them to rest. And that's why Jesus asked him those questions, because the next point this morning is Jesus knew that Peter loved him, but he wanted to hear him say it. Jesus wanted to express his love for the Lord. Jesus knew that Peter loved him. He also knew that he denied him. Because some of you might be asking, well, since Jesus really knows everything, then why in the world would he ask Peter so many times, especially if he loved him? Because, of course, there's the connection of Peter denying the Lord three times, and so we say that that's why the Lord asked him three times. But on top of that, Jesus just wanted to hear Peter express his love for him. And Peter needed to say it. It's kind of like the the love between a man and his wife. No matter how many times in the past a man may have told his wife that he loves her, it does not suffice for today. She wants to hear it again and again, and he he needs to say it, and the wife needs to say it to her husband. You know, I've been married a little over a year now, okay, which is like, well, Austin, you're still a rookie, and I know that. I'm fully aware I'm a rookie at this whole marriage deal. I get that. But if you look at it, I've been married about 14 months, so we'll say a year. If I told Brooklyn that I loved her, say at least two times, which I've said it more than that, two times a week uh, for a year, that's over a hundred times, okay? Many of you are like, well, say I've been married 50 years. That's awesome. I hope you've said it thousands of times then. But, I mean, that's a hundred times that I've told her that I love her. Shouldn't that suffice? I mean, my goodness, if I tell somebody to do something a hundred times, I hope that they do it, you know? No, it's not enough. It's, it, it, it it's, we need to tell them more than that. We never get tired of hearing people sincerely say, I love you, and saying it yesterday is not sufficient for today. So I want to ask you this morning, when was the last time you told the Lord that you loved him? Was it, was it last week at the worship service? That's been way too long. I hope you tell him every day. Is it, was it the moment you got saved 40 years ago? I hope you've told him more than that. When was the last time you've told the Lord that you love him? It's possible that no greater kindness could have been shown to Peter than to draw from him that day his threefold confession of love. What is felt deeply in the heart needs to be attested freely to the lips. Impression without expression leads to regression. Let me say that again. Impression without expression leads to regression. Jesus was drawing out of an open An unashamed confession of the deep feelings of Peter's heart. And that helped both of them. Peter told the Lord that he loved him. And so should we. We need to tell Jesus that we love him. We need to tell him that we're thankful for the sacrifice that he made for us. We need to think about the blessings that we have each and every day. The fact that we we have a spouse. The fact that we have children. The fact that we have a house, a roof over our head, a vehicle to drive, a job to go to. Even if you hate your job, you have a paycheck coming at least. We need to tell Jesus that we're thankful and that we love him. Many of us haven't told him enough how much we love him. Peter told the Lord that he loved him. So should we. Second point this morning, if we truly love Jesus, we should commit to work for him. The Lord certainly wants us to tell him that we love him, but, you know, that's not enough. Sometimes words are just not enough. We might tell people that we love them, but do we do things for them? God has jobs for all of us, and that's what the Lord told Peter three times in verses 15 through 17 when he was saying, Simon, son of John, do you love me? What did he say after that? He said, feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. You know, love is not just something we say. It's something that we do. That's the next point this morning. Love is not just something we say. It is something that we do. Jesus had jobs for Peter, and he has jobs for us too. God's commands are very clear when he calls all of his followers to serve him by serving others. The word serve is found over 33 times in our English New Testament, and the word servant is found over 165 times, and many of those verses apply to us. Romans 14, 17, uh, 17, and 18 Paul tells Christians that the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. In 1 Corinthians nine nineteen, Paul says, Though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And he was talking about winning more people to Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 5, Paul says, We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. Then, Galatians 5 13, Paul tells Christians, He says, You have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Guys, God's called us to serve. So, where are you serving right now? What are you doing for the Lord? Are you coming in here on Sunday mornings and filling a pew? That's awesome. Great. I love that you're here. But what else are you doing for the Lord? That's not good enough, coming in here. That's not doing the Lord anything, coming in here and filling a pew. What are you doing to serve the Lord? You know, there are tons of ways that we can serve the Lord today. And not just here, but think about in this building. You can sing in the choir. You can help in our children's programs. Please, I need help up there. Sunday school, the nursery, children's church, VBS, You can send cards to our shut-ins. You can go visit people, wear a mask. Um, You can make small repairs on someone's home. You can witness to your uh, your family, your friends, your co-workers. You can do just nice things for people at your work. Go on a mission trip someplace near or far. Or how about this? Invite people to church. Simply invite people to church. It seems like in today's society, we're so scared to tell people that we're a Christian because we don't want to feel rejection. We don't want to feel uh, what it feels like to be, be, you know, tormented by others, made fun of, whatever it is. But what are you doing for the Lord? If you call yourself a Christian, what are you doing to serve him? You know, many of you are like, well, Austin, I served in VBS all those many years ago, and I'm too old to help out with the children. I get that. That's okay. But there's still stuff that you can do. There's still You can still make phone calls, you can still call people. Well, Austin, I'm too busy, I work too often, I don't have enough money to give to projects. Call people, go visit people, invite people to church, that's free. That is free right there. Making a phone call, going to your somebody at your work, tell them, hey, if you don't go to church anywhere, we'd love to have you this Sunday. Where are you serving the Lord at? When it comes to serving the Lord, our motives, though, are just as important as our work. Our attitudes are just as important as our actions. So, for example, Psalm 100, verse 2 says to serve the Lord with gladness. We can't have the mindset of, uh, of going to do something. Okay, Austin, here, I'm at VBS. Okay, God, I've done my part. There you go. I hope you're happy. Well, that, that don't sound very, very good. That's not serving the Lord with gladness. You know, maybe you've encountered that kind of thing uh, with your spouse at home, you know, kind of like doing things for them. You know, most spouses appreciate that you do something for them, whether it's, Dishes, whether it's maybe cooking, maybe it's vacuuming, maybe it's making the bed, maybe it's just doing something as simple as filling up their gas tank whenever y'all go, whatever, afterwards wrong motive, then sometimes they're more upset than if we didn't do it at all. I'm sure most some of you all have experienced that because I know that I have. I learned this one early on about if Brooklyn asked me to do something and I say, well fine, here you go, there it is. I know she's probably going to be more upset than if I just wouldn't have done it at all. Jesus commands us to serve like he served, with love and with joy, kindness and humility our, our attitudes and serving are just as important if our actions, and if we're not going to do it with the right, the right heart and the right attitude, then Jesus doesn't want us serving any way at all. So church, I want to ask you this morning, where's your heart at? Do you love Jesus enough to just serve him? And all of us need attitudes adjustments from time to time. I need one. Sometimes I come in here with a bitter heart. I can't lie. I'm human just like all you all, and I'm just like, I've had the worst week of my life, and, well, i got to go do the children's sermon today. What You know, What fine, whatever. That's not right of me, but I'm just being transparent, church. I have days, bad days, just like all of us do. But you know, in Luke chapter 22, 24 through 27, this is just hours before Jesus died on the cross. Of all things, what were the disciples doing here? The disciples were arguing about which one of them was the greatest. About, well, I'm greater than you are. No, I'm greater. I've served more than you have. So instead of serving, they were arguing about who was serving more. Some of us do that. You know, in these verses it says, The king of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. Bear with me. It says this, it says, But not so among you. On the contrary, he who serves is the greatest among you. Let him be as the younger, the one who governs as he who serves. Listen to this one. For who is greater, he who sits at the table, or who he serves. It Is it not he who sits at the table, yet I am among you as the one who serves? That's Jesus. Think about it. If those guys needed an attitude adjustment, the one who sat under Jesus, the one who saw all the miracles, and the one who was actually doing ministry with Jesus, and they were more worried about who the greatest one was, my goodness, we probably need an attitude adjustment ourselves. We all need an attitude adjustment of being able to serve Christ with gladness. These guys literally served people with Jesus and they were worried about who the greatest one was. You know, one of our greatest goals of our service is for more souls to get saved, more people to be forgiven, more people living more like Jesus Christ and more people living forever in heaven with the Lord. And that's why Paul commands us to serve. And that's why again here in 1 Corinthians nine nineteen, Paul says, Though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. What are you doing for the Lord this morning? Where are you serving at to help help the cause of the kingdom? Are you just filling a pew? Or are you actually committed to seeing the kingdom advance, seeing the church advance, and seeing more people saved and coming to Christ? It's not good enough to just come to church and sit in a pew anymore, church. We've got to start making progressions to win more people to Christ. I don't know about you all, but the latest stati- statistic, I'll say it in a second, that I read is that in 1980, more than 80% of people identified with a local church body. But recently, uh, this year, a new study came out saying that less than 42% of people now identify with a local church congregation. Church, if that's not a wake-up call, I don't know what else is. We are now the minority. We are no longer the majority as Christians. We are now in the minority. It's time for us to get our, our you know what's in gear, and get to working for the Lord. We need to a jump start. We need to go out and win for the Lord. Point number three this morning. If we truly love Jesus, we should continue to trust in Him. Keep trusting in the Lord. Even when things aren't going our way, things took an unexpected turn for Peter. In verses 18 and 19, let's look, look at that real quick and then we'll be done this morning. There Jesus told Peter, he said, Truly I tell you, when you were younger you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would die to glorify God. After saying this, he told them, Follow me. It helps us to know that the idea behind the original word girded is binding something, especially with a belt. And Jesus was telling Peter that one day he would be tied up and taken to die on a Roman cross just as Jesus died. If you notice here, Jesus didn't tell Peter, Peter, I know that you love me and you're going to do some great things for me and when all that's over, you're going to get that vacation home you always wanted. You're going to get to go to the beach for a couple of weeks and all expenses paid you're going to get that raise at work if you just follow me. You're going to live out all your last days in comfort. Jesus also did not tell Peter. He, said, Peter, he didn't say, Peter, you're going to glorify God by preaching on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 people are going to get saved. You're not. He didn't tell him that you're going to become one of the first pastors and one of the greatest missionaries of all time to reach people in the New Testament. Now, Jesus knew all these great things would happen to Peter. And surely they did bring glory to God, but Jesus focused on Peter's suffering. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to glorify God by doing something you don't want to do, and that's suffer on a cross to die for me. You know, living here in Kentucky, in the U.S., many of us are used to pretty much getting what we want. I know, sometimes, obviously, we don't have luxury stuff sometimes, but for the most part, we have what we need, and we get what we want for the most part. But God is not always going to give us what we want. And there are some important reasons for that. One reason for that is because we don't always want the right thing. Just because you want that nice new SUV doesn't mean that you need it. Just because you want that big lake house doesn't mean that you need it. Just because you want Hawaii, whatever you want, it doesn't mean you need to go there. Sometimes I wish. Bigger things are going on than what we want because... Jesus' goal is not to gratify us physically, but to perfect us spiritually. The best we can do when we hear Jesus say, Follow me, is to trust him enough to surrender our wants to God. That's what Peter did. He trusted Jesus enough to surrender his wants to the Lord. In Second Peter 1.14, the apostle said that he knew, Shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus showed me. In that same passage, Peter urged us to grow in goodness, godliness, and love. Knowing that he was going to die a death on the cross, just as Jesus had died, Peter continued to serve the Lord with gladness. We all need to trust in Jesus Christ enough to surrender our wants to God. And most of all, because that's what the Lord did for us. Jesus laid down his wants. For us to die on the cross for us. You know, as Peter walked along that day with Jesus, he must have looked down at the Lord's hands. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, think about it. If you're walking along beside Jesus, you look at you probably want to see his hands, you know, where 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 the nails went through. And he saw those scars and he must have thought, nothing I could ever do could do could repay all that he has done for me. I ought to love him. I will love him. I do love him. So, as we wrap up today, church, Jesus asked Peter, and the Lord is asking us this morning, do you love me? Church, do you love him? If you do, then tell him. Tell Jesus this morning that you love him. For some of you, maybe you need to come down to this altar and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I've been living a life of sin and shame. I've been using language I shouldn't be using. I've been trying to impress people at work. I've been been involved in stuff I shouldn't have been involved in. Maybe you need to come down here and ask for forgiveness from God this morning and tell Him that you love Him because if you love Him, you won't be doing those things. It's time that we start acting like the Christians that we say we are and actually showing people that we love Jesus and telling others about Jesus, inviting them to church to show them what the love of Jesus can do for them. If you do love Jesus this morning... You need to confess your love for the Lord, commit to work for the Lord, and continue to trust in the Lord, even when He leads you through the hard places in life. Maybe you're thinking, Austin, I I can't do it. I I just can't. I've drifted way too far. I'm so far away from the Lord. I've done more worse things in my life than you could have ever imagined. Look at Peter. Peter denied the existence of Jesus being one of the closest people to Jesus while he was on and turned around and betrayed Jesus by saying, I didn't know who he was, no idea who he was. But we see that Jesus restored Peter right there on that beach. See that he came back into the fold of God and and he was restored. Maybe some of you all have never been on the right path to begin with. You know, maybe some of you have never chosen to live a life that glorified God and you have never asked Jesus into your heart. I want you to think about Peter again. He was one of Jesus' chosen disciples. He was usually the one who spoke up for the group. He was the one who wanted to fight for Jesus in the garden, but yet he was the one who denied knowing Jesus. He denied him three times. And if Jesus can restore Peter much for today, God, I thank you for that love that you give to us, God, that, that you do love us. And Lord, I pray that if we say that we're Christian and, and, and we love you, God, I pray that we would tell you that. God, help us to, help us to, to tell other people that we love you. Father, Lord, I pray that we would find ways that we can serve you and serve you with gladness, Father. Serve you with an attitude that that says, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Father, help us to be better servants for you. Father, forgive us where we fail you in doing that. Father, we love you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.